What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined as always by the man who's sneaking into your trade queues, probably with a low ball, oh. aka the Run DMC, aka Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, you're still laughing. How you doing, buddy? I am. I'm doing well, Max. I'm doing well. But honestly, uh, I need to ha- know how you're doing right now. Because, uh, uh, what was it? Just yesterday, we had a little news break with uh, Cam Akers. Uh, I know you've been a big fan, big stand for a long time. So, how are you doing, Max Cascons? I will hold that question because before I answer it, I want everybody's input on this. And we have a very, very special guest today, Dan. So, easily... In our circle, the most requested guest in the history of the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm talking about former Framingham State superstar, NFC, NEFC championship, five tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, and not one, but two fumble recoveries. Formerly the co-host of Open Season Sports, I'm talking about Mr. Alex Tordai. Alex Tordai, welcome to the show, buddy. God, thanks for having me, Max. I've been waiting for a while to be a part of this thing. And, uh, you know, just on the outside looking in, um, you know, just dying to be a part of this. I, I really can't tell you how many times I've woken up from a dream just being like, oh, whoa, was I actually on the Dynasty Dynamic? Was that real? <laughs> and now it's here. It's now, this we is the day. It. It's happening. It's so here. It is Let's finally do it. here. Christmas yep. in July. Exactly. So the exactly. Uh, so yeah, we don't usually lead the show with breaking news, oh, but, um, we have but let's to. do it. Cam Akers, Achilles injury. I, I'm devastated. I personally own him in every single one, uh, but one of my dynasty leagues made some trades to acquire him this off season. Uh, I talked about him, Dan, on our first ever show. I think he was a superstar in the waiting, um, yep. you know, had some injuries last year and I'm absolutely devastated that we will not get to see him on the field this year. Any thoughts, guys, on the Rams' backfield now? Right, you got Darrell Henderson and a bunch of yep. question marks. Absolutely, honestly, I'm I I think it was maybe two or three episodes ago that we talked about Darrell Henderson and just like you have to uh, be willing to give him a shot in this backfield because we saw him succeed. I think it was the first four weeks you had Cam Akers uh, easing into the system and the potential that also might have been when his injury was as well, uh, and he was putting up some massive numbers. So it was kind of odd to me that once uh, Henderson went down and then Akers uh, started to take the uh, the field and take over a little bit there, that people forgot completely that Henderson was in a very, very serviceable, serviceable back for the first part of the season there. So I uh, think, of course, the time to have bought him was before this injury, of course. Um, but if you're able to find someone who's not a believer and doesn't think that he can step up to the the plate and accomplish uh, some pretty good numbers to be like an RB2, uh, take advantage of that. Yeah. Torts, we play in a lot, we're probably too many dynasty leagues together. Do you own any Henderson shares and are you looking to target any of these other pieces? And if so, which are your favorite in the Rams backfield right now? Yeah. So you've actually, you swipe cam makers right out from before I was able to draft once or twice this past off season. So I did you a favor. Basically. You, you basically <laughs> exactly. did. I was, I was actually upset. I was like a oh, third round pick. Cam's going to follow me. Oh, no. Who's drafting in front of me? It's Maxwell Caskins. I'm no. no. (laughs) And there he goes. Right. But, uh, you know, Darrell Henderson, absolute stud, I think, this year. I think he's going to be a top 10 running back in that McVay offense. I think that we're going to see a lot of really big time positives. I won't I'm not going to be surprised if they bring in 
some added running back depth with a veteran or someone that's out there. Is Adrian Peterson still unsigned? Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. he is waiting. He's, he yeah, is yep. waiting. I, I think he is a prime candidate to be that that guy that's going to come in there and be the uh, you know the backup to Hendy. 36 then, years old, too. Oof. Right, right. And then you look at their wide receiving corps, Stafford. I mean, this is going to be a big-time offense. Yeah. I, I think that if there's anyone that's going to benefit from, fit from this, it's going to be Henderson. I, I don't think anything's really going to change from a wide receiver or tight end standpoint for the most part. I don't think the game plan changes mm. uh, with, with you know what McVay does. I think Henderson can showed us a lot in year two. Um and I definitely am a, am a huge fan of, of Stafford and what he's going to bring to the table. It's just really a shame for Akers. It and, is. You know, I also do – I'm a big-time believer. They're going to bring in some veteran running back like Adrian Peterson who's going to – he's going to vulture a lot of touchdowns from Henderson if, if given the opportunity to do so. I mean, obviously, no talks, nothing. I yeah. don't know anything. I have no insider info. But that's the guy I'm looking out for. The one other guy that's going to be interesting for this too is Robert Woods because of all the wide receivers, he is the one that does sometimes take some rushes uh, or at least kind of back uh, field sweeps and stuff. So he's the only one I would want to mention there too is like they might be able to work him in a little bit more if they aren't going to supplement, just like you said, uh, Alex, with uh, a more veteran running back there uh, just to kind of lighten the load a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets incorporated a little bit more in that fashion. The only thing with Woods though is he's still a, a smart, you know, a wide receiver. You don't want to hurt a guy like that. Oh, hundred percent. So right? Exactly. I think it just they might work him in a little bit more creatively. But yeah, they're they're not going to work him in as a workhorse in the backfield right. just to be able to uh, to supplement there. I feel you. So let's kick off the show tonight. I want to talk about a pair of quarterbacks, but I specifically want to talk about one quarterback. Towards, I know he's a favorite of yours. You were early on him, talking about what you saw on the tape. You probably won one of our leagues last year because you made a nice little trade for him early in the season. Let's talk about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is an absolute stud. Favorite quarterback, young quarterback in the NFL right now outside of Patrick Mahomes. So for dynasty purposes, I think he's the best guy to, to own right now. I actually made a mistake myself in, in a new league in, in our dynasty ballers league by picking, in my opinion, uh, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, two great running quarterbacks. I just got I get excited about the running guys. I love that potential there. Uh, that speed, that that ability to add points through through yardage, but long term, sustainability wise, I don't think that there's a better option out there for a young quarterback besides uh, Patrick Mahomes, and I, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Herbert has the arm; he can make all the throws. He's exceedingly, you know, like better than anyone was really expecting him to be in his first year. I. I just can't imagine he doesn't have a very long career, a la Philip Rivers, who came before him. Uh, I, I'd expect Herbert to be the type of quarterback, though, that actually can get you over over the hump and get you a championship. Um, and and for for fantasy purposes, for dynasty purposes, with Keenan Allen to throw the ball to, with with what they're building in San Diego, uh, you put the right talent around a guy like that, and he is going to be you know a top five quarterback for a long, long time to come in dynasty leagues. Um, you watch the Oregon tape and you compare it to someone like Jordan Love's tape and you sit there and you say, oh, and I own Jordan Love in some leagues. So, uh, you know, he's not a good quarterback. We all make mistakes. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> exactly. right, right, right. But if Rodgers was you. traded, I would have flipped him in a minute, right? Oh, 100%. Right, right, right. But, but you look at the difference between those two guys who came out in the same draft and it's like night and day. Herbert is an absolute stud, and I'm surprised more people weren't high on him from the start and that a team actually drafted Tua over him. So funny. So funny you bring that up because I mentioned this. Either Dan on our last show or the show before this, but 
before Joe Burrow shocked the world with the greatest college offense we've ever yeah. seen, before that, it was Justin Herbert. And before that, it was Tank for Tua. I don't think people remember. Tank for Tua was a thing, okay? People's yep. memories are short. We talk about this on the show all the time. And once Tua was hurt and nobody had any idea what recovery was going to look like, Justin Herbert was the guy everybody was talking about. And then all of a sudden, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson light the world on fire, and everybody forgets about Justin Herbert. But clearly, you did not. I love it. And it's it, the cool thing about uh, Justin Herbert, too, going into this, and it's going to be a kind of a tale of two cities, too, right, with uh, uh, the Chargers invested in their O-line. They're like, hey, we've got Herbert. Now we want to make sure we protect him. He's our long-term asset that we know we want to have for the long term. Then you have Joe Burrow, who they give him a fantastic wide receiver. But, oh, my gosh, that offensive line is going to be troubles. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see how both of them net out over the course of their careers, let's say the next two to three years, uh, with those different types of investments. Uh, because, again, Torda, from your perspective, the weapons that he has uh, over uh, with the Chargers, fantastic. Having Keenan Allen as just this amazingly versatile uh, type of weapon that he can utilize there. Mike Williams stretching the field. Uh, I couldn't be more excited for Justin Herbert and just uh, disappointed that I wasn't able able to take advantage of that uh during the draft last year uh he's going to be a really really fun guy to watch for a long time dan just sneaks mike williams in there as it's like a foregone conclusion his fifth year ascension is going to happen it is absolutely he's going to have the Devonte parker fifth year breakout <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to give him the Devonte parker award right now he will have uh he 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 gets that nomination for me I love it. All right, so let's let's pivot to another quarterback who is much more polarizing in Dynasty these days. Uh, and I'm going to tee this one up because I know, I know Torts is a fan. Um, Carson Wentz, once viewed as an elite Dynasty asset, replaced by my guy, Jalen Hurts last year, gets a new team, gets arguably the best offensive lineman in the sport playing behind Quentin Nelson. Talk to me about what you think uh, Carson Wentz and the Colts are going to accomplish this year, Torts. I think they're going to accomplish a lot. I'm expecting them to make the playoffs. I'm expecting Carson to throw at least 30 touchdowns at, at minimum. I'm expecting his interception numbers to drop drastically, probably down to around 10 interceptions. So I'm thinking a 3-to-1 ratio this year should be what we're, we're aiming for with Carson Wentz because you look at that offensive line like you pointed out, great offensive line. You look at the coach, Frank Reich, and, and the synergy that they had with Philly. Like, that wasn't Doug Peterson who was making that offense tick, right? And he's Carson Wentz is now reunited with Frank Reich, who has, I think, a better overall offensive talent outside of you know the tight end position than he had in Philly, right? You look at that wide receiver corpse, you got T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, and uh, Paris Campbell. I mean, if Paris Campbell's healthy and you have those three guys, that's 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 a hell of a trio. And then we look at the running back corps, and you've got Jonathan Taylor. Absolute monster. I don't know how this guy fell in the draft. I, I mean, I could talk JT all day. Absolutely yeah. crazy he wasn't a first round. Absolute it's right. It's absurd. Taken and, after Pittman. Right, right, right. Hey, but they got them both. They, they got, got them both. They don't deserve great, them but... for taking Pittman first, right? They don't deserve it's them. Fair. But it's they got fair. them. And then you look at Naheem Hines, who is one of my favorite pass-catching running backs in the league. And, you know, you, you think about what Wentz did with that offense in Philly that, that season. He, he could have been the MVP and ended up getting hurt. And, and you try to picture him – with Frank Reich, you know, the coach he was so close with, 
I'm expecting a huge bounce back season. Um, if if you know someone like Saquon Barkley hadn't torn his ACL, I think say you know Carson Wentz could be looking at comeback player of the year for you know going from someone who was benched for Jalen Hurts to I think being potentially a Pro Bowl player this year. That that's how strongly I feel about Carson Wentz right now. Fair. Dan, anything to add there before I assassinate Carson Wentz on the air? Yeah, I'm, I probably sit in the middle ground between <laughs> Tordair and then you, Max, when you, you speak there. Because I, I am always willing to give a player uh, a second chance when they have an opportunity to kind of like reinvent themselves, rebrand themselves, and also return to some of the things that made them successful before. And Tordair, you pointed out offensive line um, with last year with the offensive line of the Eagles uh, Wentz was having some real struggles I think he was at least bottom third uh, for QBs under pressure it was he was bottom third for most metrics right like we're not we're not going to say that he was really doing much last year the reason why he got replaced by um, by Hertz uh, later on in the season um, so I think that's kind of one aspect there's another aspect that I think is just chemistry and I really do believe that there's some personal bonds that you can have with a coach um, other players, whatever it might be. Uh, and if that goes away, there's something that you kind of lose along the way as well. So this opportunity to reunite uh, with Reich, I think is those two things. If we're going to see Carson Wentz succeed, he's got those two things locked and loaded. If he doesn't succeed and honestly he needs to succeed pretty early in my opinion uh, for anyone to give him the trust and benefit of the doubt that just the mix wasn't right last year. And this is the way to get him back on track. I haven't been the biggest fan because while last year, of course, was like the bottom like of his kind of career stats and what's been going on, um, I think he's got a lot to prove uh, to be able to bring him back into my good graces. Uh, however, just like anything else, I always like pointing out whenever there's a good buy low opportunity, the consensus across the board, I think, is people have been burned enough by Wentz, especially those who are holding on to Wentz. And if there's an opportunity to get some guy who could bounce back into being a top 16 quarterbacks, even top 12 quarterback, it's Carson Wentz this season. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But Max, what are what are your thoughts? Yeah. So assassinate is a strong word. Um, I have always been one of those people. I, I tend to hang around or hang along to my college profiles on these players, maybe longer than I should, but he was not a great prospect coming out of North Dakota state, right? So he's a late breakout small school and last year easily showed some of his flaws, right? When he doesn't have a phenomenal supporting cast, like he was benched last year due to being number 34 this is among all quarterbacks in the league number 34 in yards per attempt number 32 in true completion rate and number 36 in clean pocket completion rate so even when he had the clean pockets yeah. he wasn't making the throws last year which means there are and multiple backups who ended up being able to have better stats than him in a couple of these areas <laughs> it's <laughs> it's true and and you know if you're outside the top 32 at the, at the quarterback position you know that you're competing with some backups for these metrics so my my thing with him was I always thought he was fine. I thought he was really bolstered by a fantastic supporting cast. Um, his MVP season, or what should have been his MVP season had he finished it, you know, Nick Foles came in and there was basically no drop-off in production. They won the Super Bowl, right? Fantastic offensive line, incredible weapons, fantastic defense, absolute horrible shootout to watch if you're a Patriots fan. Um, but, you know, he's somebody that, it's funny because we do have another North Dakota State quarterback coming into the league this year right so looking at trey lance who's viewed as having these question marks is he this physical tools freak you know but never really showed up at the quarterback position i mean trey lance had 90 90th percentile yards per attempt in college carson wentz sitting at 43 playing at the same school same competition 
Wentz's best season was 25 passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions in college. Trey Lance had a 28 touchdown, zero interception season where he also rushed for a thousand yards. This is a long way of me saying, I think Carson Wentz is one of those guys that will always be about league average. I think he is hugely dependent on his supporting cast. If that line holds up, if Paris, we all know I love Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, Jonathan Taylor, even Naheem Hines, right? Another great receiving yep. back. If those guys all stay healthy and that team can play together, I agree with you, Jordan. I think the sky could be the limit for Carson with right. that supporting cast right. because we've seen it before. The question is, what happens if it falls apart and he's sitting at number 36 in, com- in clean pocket completion percentage? Right, yeah. right, right. But I'm not saying – and that's the thing. I'm not coming in here saying, like, Carson Wentz is going to completely change this team. I, you know, he, he's this transformative player. I, what I do think, though, is that if you surround this guy with talent, he will really shine. Uh, this That Philly team last year, that was a joke. I mean, Miles Sanders got hurt. Um, you had, you know. Travis Fulgham, wide right, receiver one. Right, yeah, exactly. right. I mean, the talent they had, Zach Ertz is washed. It's it's not a good team to be a part of. And I yeah. I think that too much blame was put on Wentz because he was trying to do, do a little bit too much. He was trying to de- uh, dig too deep into his, his bag of tricks, and he was getting him in more trouble than he needed to. I think he's going to have this th- this support from Frank Reich and you know all these players that you mentioned and we've all touched on and the great O-line and everything going for him where I, I really do think that you know they're going to be able to turn his career around here. Yeah, so I think we agree that it's a huge dependency on the supporting cast. I think our thing is maybe I wasn't as high on him as a prospect coming out of college, sure. whereas you might have thought he was a little bit stronger. And if that's the case, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being like a quote-unquote system QB, right? Like if you're able to take what you're given and just tie it together, like so many people like say that's a bad thing or like crap on. It's like there's some guys who, yeah, they might not be the spectacular talent on their own, but if you can set them up to succeed, they can at least game manage and make uh, take a, a team from, from good to great there. So he might be the missing piece for the Colts this year, and it'll be fun to watch and see to find out. I just think it's funny because, like you said, I hang on to my college valuations. I wasn't a believer in once when he came out. I wasn't a believer in him. And he came to the league and he made me a believer. I watched the tape. I became a believer in once, right? So so that's the difference between me and you on this. Like, I let go of what happened in college. You played D1AA. Like, it's hard to take much from that. And then when he came to the NFL and he had a good supporting cast, that's what that's what makes me say, okay, this dude can be legit. He can be something special in the right offense. So we've seen it. Will we ever see it again? I don't know, but I'm betting big on him doing it. All right. Well, I love it. I said we were going to run long, and we haven't even made it out of the quarterback position yet. <laughs> so let's keep it moving um, and kick it off with some running backs, maybe the running back. Dan, he used to be the unquestioned RB1 in Dynasty. It wasn't that long ago. Talk to me about Saquon Barkley and what is going to happen with him in 2021. Yeah, man, this is a, this is an interesting one, interesting one for sure. Right. Because uh, it was just unquestioned for multiple years that he was the uh, RB one in dynasty just due to his, his profile, right? 99th percentile spark athlete, uh, just insane what he was able to do uh, in college. And then just coming into the system and immediately showing out in his rookie year, uh, was just like, okay, yep, he is what we always knew he was. Uh, he translated so seamlessly to the NFL. And now with the injury, you have people starting to question that. 
And I think I'm certainly here to say, and I believe some others are here to say, uh, he is still, in my opinion, the unquestioned uh, RB1 uh, when it comes to uh, the dynasty effect. Uh, CMC, absolutely love him. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, love him. All those guys. But I do believe that there's a lot of recency bias that's built into anyone's evaluations as you start to get a little bit removed from his rookie year. Um, At least, and here's the thing I, I, I should say, RB1 in terms of total talent, right? I'm not going to go out there and say that he's going to be the RB1 going into this year in terms of returning fantasy value because there is a difference there, right? But in terms of actual RB talent, uh, that's definitely where I'm sitting with Saquon. Uh, The only thing that I start to kind of think through is his success uh, in his rookie year. there was less weapons overall that I would say um, that he was competing against in terms of some target share. I think you've just seen a lot more wide receivers added to that room. You did have Odell Beckham. So that's certainly something that he's going to get his own targets there. Uh, Evan Engram was just coming off of like his kind of larger year, but it is going to be interesting to see when he's getting reintroduced back into here. Is his target share going to continue to be what it was in his rookie uh, season? Because he was pretty outrageous. He was being like so unbelievably heavily targeted, which is so valuable for fantasy, right? So that's one aspect where it's like, okay, we got to kind of see where that's going to net out. And I think there's actually some guys that we're going to talk about later on uh, that'll be interesting to see. Okay, now with the introduction of, say, like a Kadarius Tony, uh, where are we going to see some of those targets get funneled towards? I love him. Uh, he's just so. It, Everyone just needs to finally see a game week one where you see Saquon unlocked again. And you're like, oh, oh, my God. Why were we even questioning this? Why was this a conversation? Uh, he is easily one of the most fun running backs to be able to watch. And I think a lot of people are going to be uh, reminded of that again. Uh, and I know you guys are equally uh, excited about Saquon Barkley. But anything in particular, uh, maybe Tordai, that you you have to say about Saquon Barkley and kind of his uh, upcoming season here? Yeah, I mean, this is a huge season for him. I believe in the law of averages with the running backs, right? Like, they've yep. only got this set amount of time where they can produce elite stats. And um, Saquon has lost, you know, a, a whole year plus of his career, right, due to injuries. Yeah. So I'm expecting this next three-year run to just be tremendous out of him. And I'm expecting him to fill up the stat sheet and be perennially the best running back in fantasy every year, like year in and year out. He's going to be right there. Um, a lot of it hinges on Daniel Jones' success, though. Like, can Danny Jones be legit? Because if they have to start over at quarterback, that worries me a little bit more. Yep. You know, have more of an opportunity to stack the box. But I, I'm pretty confident with the weapons that this kid has around him, bringing in Kenny Dolliday, bringing in Kadarius Toney, to add to Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, um, who has stone hands, Evan Ingram. Uh, everyone else <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love on that team, right? And you can't stack the box anymore against the Giants unless Daniel Jones is is absolutely playing terrible. And if you're not stacking the box, that takes some pressure off the O-line because from what we've seen, the O-line could not block for Barkley. They could not give him hold. He was trying to do too much. He was going east and west. And this is a generational talent here who has the ability to do things no other running back in the league can do um, at every level of the field, right, in every instance, right? He can do things that we sometimes never seen before and the only thing that worries me outside of his supporting cast is his injury history though that's the one thing right if he's healthy right he's had so many injuries high ankle sprains obviously the acl and 
it just starts to wear you down eventually. But I look at Adrian Peterson and what he did coming off that that first that that ACL season. I'm like, I think Barkley could have that type of season, like a 1600, 1700 yard season, you know, uh, rushing alone, right, yep. with another like 800 yards um, receiving and probably like 15 to 20 touchdowns easily. Right, and and I see that in Barkley and what he's bringing to the table this year. But the O line has to be able to create space for him. Otherwise, you know, I I think those numbers drop down by like 400 yards uh, on the rushing, maybe maybe 500. But we'll we'll, we'll really see what happens. Um, it's going to be a fun offense to watch this year, though. That much you can bet on. Agreed. Saquon had 2,000 yards from scrimmage his rookie year, and guys don't do that. That right. doesn't happen. Um, he's on the sheet because we're excited to see him this year. Like, nobody's sitting here saying, like, oh, I hate Saquon Barkley. There's 10 running backs I'd taken Dynasty yeah. before him. Um, but you, you might be right, Tordai. You said it before we, we turned the mics on. I mean, he might be the best running back prospect of all yeah. time. You know, it's hard to compare eras and testing and numbers, but he might be the greatest that we've ever seen. So – Let's flip from a guy who was hailed as one of the greatest talents of the position we've seen coming out of college to somebody who didn't get the respect he deserved coming out of college. And yet another trade I watched you make last year that helped bolster a championship roster towards. Talk to me about James Robinson and his 2021 outlook. Yeah, well, first off, just to touch on that trade, I saw something in James Robinson, and that thing I saw was that he was going to be getting playing time. And that's all it took for me to make that trade. And you know what? He paid off and he is a stud. And I still think even with the Travis Etienne addition, I think that they're going to be able to work both these guys beautifully. I think Robinson is still a thousand yard guy and we're going to see Etienne used in a bunch of different ways. In addition to running the ball with his breakaway speed and everything like that. I believe this is a perfect one, two punch and a a match made in heaven. You have that bowling ball beast of a man in James Robinson complemented by the speed Alvin Kamara esque Travis Etienne, who is my comparison for Travis, by the way, it's, it's Kamara. I don't know if anyone else sees it in this podcast. I already said it on the podcast. You, you yep, did yep, first right yep, to aligned. <laughs> Literally. No, no. I, I watch him and I'm like, this is the smoothest, silkiest running back. But dude, wh- why, why would you want to beat someone like that down and overuse him? Right? Like Trevor Lawrence is just in his rookie year. You know, I think I love James Robinson's usage this year. I think yeah. that as time goes on, we're going to see it shift uh, to a, you know, a more heavy ETN approach. But I, I see this as Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara right now. Okay, so you're not you're not one of these truthers that's saying James Robinson is still the lead back and Travis Etienne was drafted to play wide receiver like some of these no. idiots that oh, I've seen God, talking no, about no, it. No, no. <laughs> but, no. but but for a fantasy perspective this year, this is this is still going to be a great James Robinson year, and I think that he's going to continue to have value going forward. I just I <laughs> I am of no you know illusion that Travis Etienne is going to be the number yeah. one guy because we get spoiled with total absolute workhorse running backs right like that's like the the top five you only get about five of those that exist on any like 32 teams there's no shame in Travis Travis Etienne being very good at what he does and his kind of skill set James Robinson still having his place and time to be able to do what he's very good at because from an NFL perspective if they have two of those guys especially one that they got for free they're going to try and find ways that they can give him touches to not run down their guy that they took in the first round 
um, of the the NFL draft. Like it's it just makes good business sense to be able to do that in how you're managing your team and just get the absolute best out of both of them. And again, you play the hot hand in that regard too, right? If you're seeing that Travis Etienne is just absolutely running away with it and we're not seeing the James Robinson that we saw last year, then yeah, I think you're going to easily see the guy that was drafted higher and is producing better at that time be able to take over. But I really do think they have, there's a world where they can both exist. And I think you're seeing outside of the truthers, the guys who really are holding on to them uh, like crazy. I think you're seeing other people trying to like get off of James Robinson. It's worth kind of seeing like what people are thinking of him there, because I think there is a world where he can return uh, not as high a value as he did last year, uh, but absolutely return more value than people are expecting to this year. Have you guys seen the rumors on the Twitterverse of the Rams trying to acquire James Robinson? Yes. Yeah, yes, Ooh. I have. Or, or at least a rumor that I think everyone retreats being like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> but it, what, where would where would he stand in that Rams offense towards? Where would you have him? RB what this year? Compared to Darrell Henderson, I'd probably put Robinson at, at number one. I mean, Robinson can catch too, man. People are underrating his receiving skills. He can catch. I mean – we we saw it last year. He he doesn't have stone hands. He's not he's anti Evan Ingram, right? He can catch the football. He can block. Wow, it's turned can, into an Evan Ingram shade cast. I mean, rightfully so. He has uh, he's not been great thus far. <laughs> right. Sorry. Sorry. He he probably has the biggest stone hands in the NFL, right? Evan Ingram. I think he oh was. I think he led the league. He definitely led tight ends and drops. Yeah. He was top three in drops. I think in the league. So yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's he's right definitely. There. Him and Deontay right. Johnson, actually. Deontay Johnson, get your stuff together, by the oh, way. Oh, man. He's young, <laughs> mini AB. He's, he's going to be fine. He's going to yeah, be fine. Yeah. I just had to had to juice him a little bit there. Right. No, I, I would probably put him at RB1, and then I would, I would have him slide into that Acres role, and then I'd, I'd keep Henderson at the RB2. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think the, he's getting traded, though, unless it's for something big. But the Rams are in win-now now mode, so we might hey, see Hey, I mean, exactly. It, it's just like in Dynasty. It depends on the price, right? Do the Rams they, have? They come knocking. Yeah. Do the Rams have capital left, Max? Y- you make a good point. They really just, traded oh away like all their draft picks. So capital, it would have to be something very Cap space, they're out of all of it. <laughs> yeah. I Here's the one thing. So I, I loved watching James Robinson. The undrafted guys are the ones I root for. But I did caution all Dynasty owners back in December, and I think I did it again early this offseason undrafted running backs don't have a great track record of sticking around long term basically you're looking for the ultimate outliers you're looking for the arian foster you're looking for the priest Holmes. you're looking for the austin eckler right guys that we watch crush in the nfl for years by the way fun fact for those who don't know this at home priest Holmes went undrafted because he backed up a little guy named ricky williams uh in college so that was the reason uh the miles sanders effect with saquon barkley same thing for priest Holmes and ricky williams but really, when we look at the track record of these undrafted guys that have a stellar season recently, like it's the Philip Lindsay's, it's the Thomas Rawls, the Isaiah Crowell's, CJ Anderson's, Raheem Moster, Josh Adams. I could go on for days. Be careful with James Robinson. That's all I'm going to say. They drafted a running back in the first round. Those guys usually average like 240 touches in their rookie year. Be careful with James Robinson. Let's pivot to another running back. Talk to me, Dan, about four-star recruit going to Oklahoma, had some injuries, goes to Ohio State, and absolutely made a name for himself down the stretch. 
Where are you on Trey Sermon these days? I see him rocketing up dynasty boards. Yeah, Trey Sermon's interesting. And this is where I think, uh, Torda, you have probably the, the most passionate kind of thoughts on on him for sure, because I think you'd mentioned uh, you were looking to trade up for him in a, in a draft or two this year. He was someone that I think was sitting at like the tail end of like the second round uh, for me, uh, maybe even like beginning of the third before we saw the San Francisco 49ers be able to take him in. And then I was like, okay, this is this is why you started to see him uh, rock it up a little bit because the San Francisco 49ers utilize their running backs a lot. And so being able to then have someone uh, like Trey Sermon come in, who, as you said, was doing very well over at Ohio State, was able to kind of start to make a name for himself. I think he's probably one of the bigger names that we've seen kind of be able to be rotated into this Shanahan offense uh, from a draft perspective. We've had a lot of guys who were hanging around kind of in the earlier parts when Shanahan was coming to take over. You've seen some other ones just kind of come in as uh, undrafted free agents that have been able to make a name for themselves. So we've never really seen someone come into this system, at least within the past couple of years, where it's more of a name brand that you have to assume they with them going going out to to get him is probably going to immediately kind of rise towards the top in terms of total touches. The only thing, and this is kind of broken record, any analyst is going to be saying this, but it's the unpredictability of a Shanahan offense sometimes when it comes to how they spread the wealth in terms of their running backs, right? I'm going to play devil's advocate there though, in the sense that I think they've done that in the past because they've had a terrible injury history when it's come to their running backs over the past two years. So you see a lot of people being like, oh, they only got 30% of the touches or 40% of the touches or 20% of the touches over the course of this year because they spread it out so much. And yeah, they did. But a lot of that came on the heels of them having to because every single like other week you had some guy going down and they had to rotate guys in. So, I mean, I just kind of put that as a word of caution on both sides, right? Because they're, they, they are notoriously known for spreading the wealth around, but it's what's the cause and effect? And are we going to see Trey Sermon break the mold there when it comes to being able to command touches because you know they've gone after him, you know he has a good talent. Now we just get to see kind of how that shakes out in the way the offense is designed. But, uh, Torda, what are your kind of thoughts there? Because I know you, you're, you're excited about the kid uh, and what he could potentially do this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. But, again, this is a guy that – you know, dual threat guy, right? He can catch, yep. he can run. He, the only thing this kid's missing is breakaway speed. He can do everything else. I'm, I'm, I'm not really totally sure about his pass blocking. That's the one thing I, you know, Fair. sometimes pass over. That's yet oh so important because it means he can be on the field for every down, right? Um, so maybe I need to do a little bit more research on that. But from what you see on the tape and what this kid brought to Ohio State's offense, right? He, he was the beating heart of it, really, at the end of the day. Um, without him, you saw how inept the offense almost looked, right? And that's I, I just, so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, listen, he was he was the guy for that offense. I know, and I'm big on Justin Fields, right? I know we, we can't talk along today, but <laughs> we're past the quarterback. We could, but we won't. Exactly, we won't. we won't. But but you know, Trey Trey was that guy, and uh, no, I'm with you. That that opportunity is everything. I think Mostert is one of the most talented like speed running backs we've seen since Chris Johnson, like just pure speed, like his speed reminds me of that he's faster than Tyree kill. People don't realize Raheem Mostert has beat Tyree kill in sprints, like in actual sprinting in a hundred yard dash. Where are you sourcing this from? I need from to an actual, from an actual track meet. They've, they've competed in track against each other and Mostert beat Tyree kill. So maybe, maybe today he's not faster than Tyreek Hill, but once upon a time, he was. 
Dang. And we see it. it they jumps. were in preschool, three-legged <laughs> races. It jumps it potato sack race. Exactly. <laughs> it, but his speed jumps off the screen. Yeah. At the same time, you want to keep him fresh for the playoffs. He's your stud in the playoffs, man. He was yeah. he was the heart and soul of that Niners team. He was cutting everyone up. Everyone up. And Garoppolo was the one that held that team back. And I think that Trey Lance is going to be someone who is just going to make that running attack so much more dangerous because you have to worry about him running. You're going to have to worry about him throwing the deep ball. And hopefully if, if he's smart, if he's a smart football player and Trey Lance pans out, the, the sky's the limit for that kid and then the, the sky's the limit for Trey Sermon and, and the rest of that Niners offense. Yeah, they got a lot of weapons. Uh, to recap it, down the stretch, 331 yards in the Big Ten Championship. Yep. 193 yards in the semifinals against Clemson. And then, like you said, you saw with that injury, wasn't able to go in the finals. Um, rough road for him to not be able to finish it out there because he looked fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's really leading to the hype, right? Because yep. he was never he was never a monster his first couple years at Oklahoma. Um, dealt with some injuries. But anyway, let's pivot to somebody who's become more of a question mark on the running back side in Dynasty. Um was a great feature back at Utah and actually had some passing skills. Um, first year in the league, racked up about 500 yards. I'm talking about Zach Moss. Dan, I know you were a Zach Moss guy once upon a time. Are you still a Zach Moss guy? I was. So I was, and I haven't left the train, but I've maybe moved more towards the caboose. I'm not, I'm not uh, commanding the hype train right now, but I'm definitely still on it. I'm like passively on it. Uh, and most particularly I am because of the potential like investment cost uh, for him right now, because I think he really, he was just on that bubble of getting just enough hype being on a team that you saw was going to be turning the corner a little bit. I don't think people expected uh, the bills to turn as much of a corner as they have. So now you actually do see him on probably what's considered a better offense than when we were drafting him uh, during rookie drafts there, uh, which was more towards like the, the mid second round there. Um, and I think you did start to see enough where the indications of them trusting Moss a little bit over Singletary, I think you started to see him move the stakes a little bit more and them give him a little bit more trust. The only thing that I think really did hold him back, of course, like anything else we've talked about a couple of these guys, was injury. Um, that was, I think he was injured for at least a few games and that really did kind of take him out of the rhythm there. Uh, they started to, of course, utilize their RB one in Josh Allen, uh, and <laughs> they just weren't get, giving him the opportunity to kind of get back from that as they started to hit this rhythm with Allen, as, uh, I think we were, um, kind of putting here, he's, Allen accounted for over a hundred rush attempts, uh, last year with 25 red zone carries, um, I actually do think that if they can find a way to work Zach Moss into this uh, system a little better, they're going to want to protect Josh Allen uh, in some of those circumstances. I actually believe a lot of that was out of necessity with only having Singletary and a couple other no-namer running backs during that time frame where they needed a lot more of that red zone presence. You're going to have Josh Allen who's going to be able to take it over in that regard. But they, if they want to keep Josh Allen around for the long haul, they've got to find ways to work in a feature back who's going to be able to take off some of that pressure uh, from the quarterback having to to rush all the time there um it's hard because i mean zach moss it's it's where context is important right we saw him succeed in utah 
Um, and it's funny, we're laughing is like, yeah, he was playing against a, bu- a bunch of other future lawyers, right? Like he, he's not exactly playing against some of the- Not uh, always wrong. <laughs> not always wrong, exactly. So it's something to, to kind of to think through there. But he's just, if you look at some of the guys um, in Dynasty from a uh, running back perspective, their costs are going to be so much higher than Zach Moss, who's just on that fringe of being in a great situation, uh, having that size and speed and ability to uh, contribute to his team. Uh, and he's just not being valued as highly as some of the other running backs. And I just I think he's a great buy low in certain teams that need uh, like an RB3. Uh, I'm not going to go bang the table and say he's going to return RB1 or even RB2 uh, value, but I think he's a great guy to have in a pinch with a position that if you have one guy go down, you're going to need that depth, and he's a great guy to be able to have sitting there uh, for your bye weeks, et cetera. So, so hypothetically, if you were like a dynasty owner and you owned Cam Akers in like every one of your leagues, like this is totally hypothetical, <laughs> and all of a sudden your running back cores are decimated, you might send some trade offers for Zach Moss? Uh, to, to, to be entirely honest, um, yeah, yeah, I would start to consider something like that, depending on your team structure, right? If you're in a rebuild, you're not going to send it for Zach Moss because you're looking for Cam Akers to bounce back with oh, the We are the never rebuilding, Moss. Dan. <laughs> never, never rebuilding. But if you're I've a I've never rebuilt a team in my life. Never. Um, but it's a good question because those are the types of things where I think you could easily get someone who's hyped on a, on a uh, cam makers and is willing to move Zach Moss plus. So I'm actually kind of into Zach Moss this year. Um, I fifth in yards created per attempt last year and seventh highest juke rate at the running back position. I mean, the guy can make people miss, like you said, rookie year had some injuries playing sub 50% snap share and still racked up 500 yards. Like let him fall into the end zone a couple more times. He, he caught passes at Utah. He exactly. Can catch. I mean, your, your biggest problem, like you said, is just how much is Josh Allen going to run yep. and how much is it going to be in the red zone or just how much they give um, Singletary's uh, touches over to him. Yeah, that's the other kind of aspect there. So those two question marks uh, certainly up in the air, but well worth the gamble. If you're looking for a, a running back, that's not going to break, break the bank right now. Yeah. I don't think either one of them is a true RB one. I really don't, and I, I think you look at Zach Moss, and I say, what's what's Zach Moss's ceiling this year? I'm thinking like 800, 900 yards max, maybe eight touchdowns. Um, yeah, solid jump from his rookie season, uh, barring any injuries, right? But yep. I do think that you know this off season, I'd be surprised if if the Bills didn't maybe touch touch another player in the draft and try to you know get someone who is that true RB one guy that those two can then complement that sounds a lot more ideal to me than, than their current situation. You, you can't keep using Josh Allen as a battering ram. No, so, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so you're gonna, you're gonna probably see Zach, Zach Moss get some solid stats, but the, in, in the long term, I'm not a big believer in what he's going to continue to bring to the table beyond this year. Yeah. But this year's the the audition, right? I mean, right. Because again, if they don't have to invest heavily in running back because he does show out, fantastic. But this is absolutely, of course, the make or break year. Because if he doesn't and he's putting over those just kind of mediocre stats, then I easily think they're going to look to to pick up someone else in the draft. Not for long, NFL. Let's move over to <laughs> wide receivers, <laughs> and let's talk about maybe the hardest wide receiver to value in dynasty. Odell Beckham. I mean, yeah. I can't think of anybody who shows you his ceiling so early and then shows the floor so recently. And I own Odell. Dan, I know you've owned him before. Mm-hmm. Torres has Still probably do. owned him. I mean, everybody has drafted Odell in a startup in the last couple of years. And I feel like if it's the last two or three years, you've been disappointed. Dan, what do you think about 
the Odell Beckham Renaissance. I think you're on the record of saying in rapid fire a couple of shows ago that it was going to happen. Yep. Talk to me a little bit more about the future for Odell. Yeah, I, I'm excited for Odell Beckham this year, um, most particularly because I think he got the double whammy of we've always talked about and I've seen, we've now seen wide receivers break the mold of, oh, first year in a new system, they're not going to succeed. It was, it was kind of funny. It was like two years ago, that was the narrative for a long time because you did see a lot of wide receiver ones continually not uh, perform to their previous standards when they moved teams. Uh, you had like just the Golden Tates. I'm trying to think of a couple other examples, but there was kind of that precedence there. Then, of course, you saw uh, DeAndre Hopkins go and succeed immediately uh, with Kyler Murray. You saw Stephon um, Diggs. A, a few. Yeah, Stephon Diggs, thank you, uh, with Josh Allen. Like they, they had that kind of uh, cloak of like, oh, man, that's, it's going to be really hard for them to succeed. And they did. Then you see Odell. And of course, wasn't able to uh, with Baker Mayfield. And the thing that's kind of hard uh, was that was that first year of being able to uh, kind of reach that chemistry uh, with what he was trying to do with uh, having like what Freddie Kitchens um, at coach. And then you had this next year with Stefanski uh, coming in. And that was a completely new system for Baker Mayfield, like very, very different system. So for him to be able to learn that system and support uh, a fantasy wide receiver, in my opinion, was pretty hard. Uh, a, because it is just a complicated system, and, and it's also very run heavy. Um, now, when you saw the second half of the season with Baker Mayfield, he was lighting it up. They started to just trust him more. They started to incorporate, allow him to make decisions on the fly a lot more. And I think you just saw this confidence grow, where I think that's the one thing that previously with Odell Beckham, he was just forcing it over to Odell constantly in bad situations uh, with bad decision-making in general. Now I think I really do have this confidence that the talent of Odell Beckham uh, is going to really level up this team as a whole. I'm so excited to watch the Cleveland Browns. We saw them make the playoffs with the team that they had, and that was without Odell Beckham. And at the very beginning of the, the season, I think it was the first couple weeks, like Odell put up some crazy numbers. So taking what Odell was able to do with Baker in a new system and then getting second half of the year Baker in a new system, I think it just it's a nice recipe for getting back to what Odell's uh, going to be able to accomplish with just being a stellar talent who's going to be able to just really stretch the field and, and open up so many more opportunities than the continued run game that we saw uh, in the earlier part of the year. Yeah, I, um, I'm at a crossroads with Odell. Um, but I do think one of the problems with the Browns is when Odell's off the field, they have no speed. It's like Jarvis Landry and just like a bunch of like four seven four eight guys. I really do think he is a, can be a huge part of the success to help stretch the field. Torrance, what do you think about Odell? I love him. I absolutely love Odell. Uh, the one I have question marks on is Baker Mayfield. Uh, you've got the oh. yep, yep. You've got this elite running game. You, you've got Nick Chubb. You've got Kareem Hunt. Yep. It's elite. It probably the best one-two punch in the NFL. I mean, come on, one uh, healthy. Maybe James Robinson and Travis. Uh, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I don't think quite yet. But but those two, those two guys, absolute studs. The O line can block. They're, they're one of the highest rated O lines last year, weren't they? Um, oh yeah. Yep, yeah. I and, think so. Yep. Um, you know, they've got some solid guys all over the team, Travis Landry and Joku, right? So so what's holding back Baker Mayfield from going off and, and getting Odell Beckham 1,300, 1,400 yards this year? 
I I know Odell has it in him. He he definitely has it in him. He's he's yep. had to deal with subpar quarterback play for I think the last few years and then injuries. Um, it's been a tough run for him. I think that he is going to have a big bounce back season, and I'm expecting you know 1,300 yards this year, probably 13 touchdowns. I think that that's probably right where uh, I'm comfortable putting Odell at for this year. Uh, but that's, you know, again, it's on Baker Mayfield. How good is Baker Mayfield? Because you are going to have to stop the run if you're playing the Browns first and foremost. And that should open up a lot of opportunities yep. for Odell. I was getting worried before you said the bounce back because I was going to say by the transitive property, you're saying Baker Mayfield currently worse than late career Eli Manning feeding Odell on slant routes. So <laughs> that was making me nervous for a second. <laughs> good call. So let's flip over to guys that are – Getting into the NFL, we got a rookie to talk about here and another player that's entering his third year on the younger side. So Kadarius Toney was probably the most interesting name called in the first round. Um, goes to the Giants, and I reached out to a mutual friend of ours, Torts, who's a Giants fan, and yeah. when he said Kadarius Toney, he just kind of went, what? <laughs> and so as soon as that name was called, I think he's been a very polarizing player, both uh, you know as a first-round pick in the NFL and as a rookie draft. Where do we slot this guy in? Talk to me about Kadarius Tony. Do you like him? Do you hate him? What What do you think the future holds for Tony? This kid reminds me of a bigger, slightly slower Tyree Kill. Watch oh, the, he here is, we go. He is a beast. They, you know, you can give, you can hand the ball to this kid. You can throw the ball to this kid. He is a great player. He's a great gadget player. Maybe a Percy Harvin might be a fair um, comparison. You know, someone that's not Listen, Percy Harvin was a monster in college. How monster. dare you compare Kadarius <laughs> Tony? <laughs> yeah, to Percy yeah. who who was who was you know? I love Tony. And I think that Tony's going to be a real difference maker in the in the NFL. I think he's the type of, you know, guy that that you see that doesn't have this amazing college career. Um, Kyle Pitts was getting a lot of a lot of touchdowns. You know, you look at not, a guy, not until his junior year though. He Kyle Pitts was not a thing until Kadarius yeah. Tony's junior year. Right, right. But what what I'm what I'm getting into is um, we see like Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell, right? Like someone's going to be featured in every offense and. Sometimes you, you have an offense that, that multiple guys can truly be featured. And, and with all the weapons that you have to stop currently on that Giants roster, from Slayton to Shepard to obviously Galladay being the best of the bunch, I think that Tony's probably going to have a fantastic year. I'm thinking 800 yards out of him, probably, uh, probably, probably five touchdowns, 800 yards I think is fair. And I think that the touchdowns he gets are probably going to be long touchdowns for the most part due to his breakaway speed. Um, you're going to still have to worry about Saquon, who we already talked about. This kid is going to get a lot of opportunities, end-arounds, things like that. They're going to use him in creative ways. He's, he's, he's the most dynamic player on the team outside of Saquon, and he's one coming from, from the wide receiver position. Uh, you can do a lot with this kid. You, his slant can go the distance with this kid. Um, I like what I'm seeing. I don't think he's as much of a down-the-field threat as he is a catch-and-run guy. Um, but I, I really think that you know he's he's going to have some good stats and probably be their number two wide receiver by the end of the year. So he, here's my problem with this: mm -hmm. you look at his first three seasons at Florida, and these are his. So he's supposed to be a gadget guy, right? I figured his rushing totals would be a little higher, but he did he did a little bit of both. But from his freshman to junior years at Florida, 152 receiving yards. 
260 receiving yards, 194 receiving yards, like not even over 300 yards as a receiver. On the rushing side, 120, 240, 59. It's weird to see the production dip. And especially like, I, I get it. Kyle Pitts was a monster. Um, you know, we've yet to do a Kyle Pitts deep dive on this show. I know Dan's so excited for that day. Um, <laughs> I just think he was overdrafted. I think he has the things, he has the traits that NFL GMs love to look for, which is fantastic athleticism. And his last year at Florida, he put up like a thousand yards. But I mean, he, other than Kyle Pitts, he wasn't really competing with anybody. And I just don't, you know, I don't see him translating immediately to the NFL. I think he was, you know, a little bit on the older side. Like you expect these guys when they're seniors and older than everybody else to be this good. And it just, it took too long for me. I'm not there. I'm going to agree with our friend Cody and say, what? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, any, any final oh, thoughts on Kadarius Tony? No, I think it's, it's funny. There's every year there always seems to be uh, one guy that a team takes that you just feel in your heart of hearts was just a bit overdrafted. Um, I think last year that was Henry Ruggs for me. <laughs> Another speedster. Uh, I, and I think, another speedster and then maybe to, to parlay nicely into the next one the year before uh for me it was oh Nicole yes let's so. talk about <laughs> before we do keep that going, can keep anyone believe thing. that someone actually drafted henry ruggs before ce land oh my god, can, can oh, god. his name is john Gruden, so yes i can i can yeah, believe that. yeah what, right? like what what was going through your head yeah. like mike mayock and gruden like like shout out to you guys man like you're at the top of your profession, right? <laughs> I think you could have asked anyone in in the fantasy community. It had to have been like a 99% to 1% that CeeDee Lamb was going over Henry Ruggs. Like, yeah. Yeah. It would have been just easy. Exactly. They I also like drafted so, him it's, over it's, Justin I Jefferson. Know think about that, too. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, God. It's just brutal. I know we're armchair quarterbacks and armchair no. GMs in, in many of these circumstances with being a, 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 in Dynasty. But my gosh, when you know that at least most of the Dynasty community was like, yeah, you take CeeDee Lamb yeah. over yeah. Henry Ruggs. And them being like, no, 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 no. This is our plan. Watch <laughs> yeah. it. Full it looks unfurl. like DeAndre Hopkins. My. It smells like DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, just, <laughs> just assume that it's probably going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Just like it's literally all you had to do. Oh, so I know so we just true, got man. off track there. Exactly. Apologies, Miko. Just, we were just to quickly, no, I, it needed to be said. Just to quickly have some fun and and try to defend John Gruden for two seconds. Have you guys seen Darren Waller's paycheck? I think the only thing the Raiders did right was extend Darren Waller when they did. He's like the uh, not even a top ten tight end in payment right now. Really? That's he's insane. probably the third best tight end. That's in the insane. NFL right He's, he looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He looks amazing. absolutely phenomenal. So, uh, so you're, you're able to screw up in wide receiver across the board. If you have a right. tight end, like, him, I think so. I'd still take CD land, but let's go back to Miko Hardman. Dan, <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep us rolling with Miko Hardman right now. So Miko Hardman, he was an interesting one, uh, because that was during the trials and tribulations of the, uh, Tyreek Hill drama, uh, right. Where they were going into the NFL draft, unsure about the kind of future, of Tyreek Hill with some of his legal battles and everything that was going on to there. Um, and so you saw him take and you're like, oh man, all right, wasn't someone who was on my radar, but now from a fantasy perspective, I got to start to t pay attention and take a closer look and had at least uh, athleticism, 
Um, but he never broke out uh, playing over at Georgia. So you kind of started to see like the, okay, they're kind of picking up a guy that's a Tyree kill light uh, in terms of availability for where they were in the, uh, in the draft and still, in my opinion, overdrafted there. But um, he played on run heavy teams and uh, his highest receiving total at Georgia was 543 yards his junior year. So you're like, okay, well, not much production to be able well, to I mean, go it's off double like, what Kadarius Tony did. So, I mean, he should be fine. <laughs> so exactly. By that time, he's three, three times the man, the Kadarius Tony is there. Um, but he's on year three now. Right. And so this is the whole like a lot of people got super hyped um, his uh, freshman year uh, to be able to look at, OK, his opportunity to be able to be on the Chiefs to replace a Tyreek Hill uh, and be able to play uh, on with Patrick Mahomes, like fantastic opportunity if Tyreek Hill wasn't there. Uh, sure enough, Tyreek Hill returns, and Mecole Hardman kind of fades off into special teams and some long bombs along the way. Second year, they're like, okay, well, Sammy Watkins isn't the pinnacle of health, and you're probably going to see him be able to kind of wiggle his way into a more standard wide receiver two role. Um, and yet again, you saw, I, I do believe you saw his overall stats increase, but not to the, the point that you'd ever want to play him uh, in fantasy unless you were playing like some DFS and wanted a, like a, a uh, really high ceiling type of target where he could get two touchdowns in a given game. Um, so going into year three, Sammy Watkins is gone, but let's be honest, he was basically gone last year. So I, I a lot of people are hyping him up as like, oh, he's going to be the wide receiver too uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, first off, um, the wide receiver too is never actually a wide receiver. It's a balance between Tyreek Hill and K uh, Kelsey every year that's what it is and has always been so you're immediately getting bumped down one tier because of them just having this absolute stud of a tight end um and then just the opportunities that he's had he's had a couple really clutch like kind of plays that have seen along it's like oh this little flash and then plenty more with just a drop here uh a biffs kind of play there and i just you just don't see him being able to really step up and be the trustworthy target uh, that Patrick Mahomes is going to want. So what I think you're going to see is he's going to spread it across the other three wide receivers that sit below Tyree kill. And he's just going to spread the wealth because now it's going to be okay. We're not going to be targeting uh Mikael Hardman like crazy. We're just going to keep throwing it to uh, DeMarcus Robinson, uh, Cornell that they just brought in. Uh, there's going to be so many different ones that they're just going to utilize below. I just don't think he's going to be uh, trustworthy in anything in terms of fantasy for this year. But people love to cling to the chiefs, man. Anytime they think they can get a discounted piece of that yep. chiefs offense. Um, I mean, Miko Hardman, like you said, never broke out at Georgia. It was his speed, much like Henry Ruggs and some of these other guys we're talking about that got him drafted. Um, I mean, he wasn't even competing with anybody at Georgia to be the wide receiver yep. one. Like it was Riley Ridley and Isaac Nada. Like I, I've never even heard of Isaac Nada. I had to look it up. Okay. So Nope. People cling to these cheap pieces. I thought for sure between the three of us, we were going to get on here, talk about Miko Hardman. At least one of us was going to be like, I'm on Miko Hardman's Miko Hardman season. But I mean, Torrance, correct me if I'm wrong, but none of us are on Miko. <laughs> no, Hardman. none of us are on Miko Hardman. I'm thinking 500 yards, probably 30 or 30 receptions, 500 yards. And I'm, I'm thinking Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to have more receptions and, and receiving yards than this guy. Like exactly right. Yeah. We're yeah, going to see yeah, someone I come mean, in. Dude. Yep. Yep. Someone's going to come in as a third right. receiver. It's going to be him. Not only that, but I'm fully expecting the Chiefs to draft or sign some stud wide receiver to complement the offense. That like Nikhil got. Harry, go trade for Nikhil Harry. Nikhil exactly. Harry is not a stud. Like Nikhil Harry, not call Nikhil Harry a stud. <laughs> he is 
a disgrace. A disgrace to first yeah, oh, round wide wow. receivers oh, everywhere. Oh yeah, the kill Harry listens to the show. To think, man, to think, it. Chad Jackson. I was just gonna say, should have been the worst wide receiver pick we've ever made, and then realizing, oh wait, we got a worse guy around earlier, and is. We traded uh, up for and, Chad Jackson too. Just yeah. so you know, my game day Patriots jersey oh. is a Chad Jackson jersey that I found at like a Models fire sale. <laughs> I can't believe you brought Chad Jackson up on this podcast right now. <laughs> Anybody who's watched the game with me knows that that's my game day jersey. Oh, that is man. pretty amazing. We have to. That's you better fantastic. wear that over to the house this year for a football Sunday. I will a hundred percent. It was five dollars, right. maybe not even. Like, like I'm talking stitched, fire sale stitched? prices. Oh, it's official. It's all official. <laughs> What's better than that? My brother bought me a Lawrence Maroney jersey once. What was it? My brother actually went to a, some shop. It was like two years ago, and he bought me a Lawrence Maroney jersey, and he and he was. Oh, like, that's a good one. And I was like, I was like, huh? I was like Lawrence Maroney. <laughs> like, wow. That's a- Funny enough, I was on the precipice of buying a Cam Akers jersey. Not a fan of the new uniforms. Mm. I don't really like a little them. ugly. They're redesigned. Oh, did not go well. I don't like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. No, I'm with Enough you there. Jersey talk. We're supposed to talk about one more player tonight, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna get the momentum back right now. I'm gonna say we'll save this guy for the next time Torch is on the podcast. I want to shift us into everybody's favorite segment. Usually it's just Dan on the hot seat. Now it's Dan and Torts on the hot seat. A player we all love goes by the name of God plus win. I know you guys want to talk about Chris Godwin, so I want to play a little this or that with some wide receivers that Fantasy Pros has ranked very close to Chris Godwin on their Dynasty rankings. Dan, kick it off. Do you want Chris Godwin in Dynasty, or do you want Terry McLaurin? Oh, okay. Um, I want Terry McLaurin um, by a hair right now. I have them very close. I've just seen that the opportunity for Fantasy right now is better for McLaurin because he of the less competition that exists on that team. That's the only reason why, from a talent perspective, I love Godwin. I would even maybe put him slightly above Terry McLaurin. But in fantasy, you have to look at opportunity, too. I'm going McLaurin. Torts. McLaurin. This is one of one player that I think we've talked about more than any other player. I know we both love this guy. Chris Godwin or DJ Moore? Uh, I would go DJ Moore over Godwin. That's the correct answer. Yeah, and, and not only that, but you know, <laughs> yeah, we, AB didn't even resign with the Bucks yet, did he? No, AB will be on the Bucks. He did. He did. Yep. There, all so of that's if returning. If AB's there. back, there's not even a question. I'm gonna go DJ Moore. Yep. Two years younger, at least. Yeah. Too, I believe. Right. Right. Dan, yep. Chris Godwin, or the man who can never find a QB until this year, Allen Robinson. Oh man, that's hard because now, like with the previous one, you had uh, McLaurin. I think two years younger than Allen Robinson. Um, and I love Justin Fields, man, but there's some potential worry with getting a rookie QB that you're going to see him be getting a actual like connection with a QB on the very latter parts of his uh, career there. I'm taking Godwin in this perspective. I know it, it's interesting that you just brought up Antonio Brown. Like I, that really kind of clouds right. the bucks right now, but I have to go with Godwin because I think he has the potential to reach Allen Robinson levels over the next three years. Yep. Yeah. Torts. If it looks like Hopkins and it smells like Hopkins, is it Chris Godwin or Deandre? Deandre Hopkins? Hopkins. Wait, wait, wait. Are we, are we talking dynasty to hold? 
ab- we're called the Dynasty right, Dynamic. Right, we are talking okay. Dynasty. Okay. If, if we're talking, <laughs> if we're talking Dynasty, we're not the redraft you know remix. We're <laughs> oh God, I think I'm gonna have to go with D Hop still. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I don't either. It, there's the, the age bias. You start to get to that point where you consider like, oh, should I get off this this uh, this train? But you saw we've seen Julio Jones continue to go and and produce until 31. Now going yeah. into 32, yeah. I believe. Like you have to stick with the. D Hop has four years like of elite production left, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I would easily he's a, say he's that. a technician. He doesn't get by on on speed yeah. and crazy athleticism. Like he is a Larry Fitzgerald technician of a wide receiver. Those guys tend to age better. Although Julio's aged pretty damn well. Right. Those guys tend to age really well. Julio was a technician. Yep. He just nope. had everything else going for oh. him, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly. He also had everything else. Uh, last one. Dan. Chris Godwin or a man who's never played a snap in the NFL, Jamar Chase. Oh, man. I I have Godwin right above uh, Chase. Oh, Tordai's reaction uh, says we have to Chris throw Godwin. to him after this. I know. Nope, I'd love to for sure, but I think you are going to be seeing something very similar with the crowded Bucks system and then the crowded uh, Bengals system, but all of those guys being younger and not going to be leaving the team anytime soon. Antonio Brown could leave after this, and then you're going to have Chris Godwin being able to continue on. So I, and, and I think he also has the chance to be just completely leaving the team and go to another situation entirely. So. I, I'm not saying it's a landslide, but I have Godwin by Torts, that talk to me. Chase, dude. Come on. Come on. <laughs> He's teaming up with Burrow. I don't know. This kid has an unbelievable spark store, unbelievable athlete. He's been training. It's, it's not like he was sitting on the couch eating Popeye's chicken for the past year. Right. He's been training. I actually know, know guys who train at the facility he trains at. Uh, it's called Gota. It, it's all about moving correctly, minimizing your injuries, all all this stuff, right? I couldn't be higher on Jamar Chase hearing what I've heard. And um, maybe that's insider trading information. I don't know. But you, you, the only thing, the only worry I have with Jamar Chase is Joe Burrow's health. Can the Bengals protect Joe Burrow? Can they keep him healthy? Will they get him killed? And then will Jamar Chase be running routes for whoever that backup guy was? I love it. No, it's it, it's sometimes, and Max and I always joke, uh, production over potential sometimes is my even keel. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's where we'll see for sure, right? Because um, I think uh, the the ceiling is highest for Chase. That's That I will easily say. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out this season. I'm with Torts. Give me Jamar Chase. And gentlemen, let's keep this rapid fire. Dan, give me a projection for receiving yards for your boy, Brian Edwards, this year. Where's oh, he at? Man. Let's hear it. All right. I I don't think we're going to see an absolute explosion, but I think I think we're talking 800 to 850 in total receiving yards for Brian Edwards because uh, Darren Waller is absolutely uh, still going to be the top receiving option there. Uh, they're going to continue to utilize him, but I think I think you could see – uh, an 800-yard season out of Brian Edwards going into uh, to this season with the hopes for more as he continues to develop. But uh, we haven't seen enough yet to totally say that he goes and takes away things from Henry Ruggs. So 800. Torts, are we tricking ourselves 
or is there still hope for Keyshawn Vaughn? No, there's absolutely hope for Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I just heard a Bruce Arian soundbite the other day. You know, don't forget about this kid. I certainly haven't. I certainly haven't. Watch his college tape. Watch what he was able to do. Look, this team was coming in to win a Super Bowl this year. There is no funny business. I liked what I saw from Vaughn when he was on the field. He might have needed another year in the weight room, uh, learn the playbook, everything like that, get used to the NFL. But he is going to look good this year. I'd be surprised um, if he didn't have, you know, 600, 700 rushing yards this year and seven touchdowns, six, probably six touchdowns around there. I think that's pretty fair Um, because they're going to want to divvy up that workload between those three guys, right? They're not going to want to feature on any one of those guys. Because if you feature a running back, you're just going to have to pay him more money, aren't you? Right. Like, like why, why feature a guy fully? Let's, let's, let's divvy up those snap counts. I I like Keyshawn Vaughn. Do I think he's going to be the next Kamara? No, I don't. I originally was kind of thinking he could be, but I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't think we're going to see that. That must've been a rough 2020 season for you. If you thought he was going to be Alvin Kamara. I was like, look at this guy. He's behind these two guys. Just like Kamara was behind Adrian Peterson and Ingram. And he's going to try to talk to the depth chart. And I was like, ah. just, just in, in terms of situation, five ten, two fifteen, the same size. Ah. So, no, nope. Nope. All right, Dan, I'm, I'm waiting through a desert and I just, I can't, I need water to survive. All of a sudden I look up and I'm like, is that, is that an oasis or is that a mirage? Is, is that Traquan Smith? Dan, is Traquan Smith ever going to happen? Oh, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it feels like a little bait uh, there. But, yeah, I think so if and only if Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback. Um, he is not going to be a thing with Taysom Hill. Uh, but I think you saw – I think, what was it, Jameis Winston's only touchdown last year? And I think it was – yeah. Was it playoffs? Regardless, at least kind of wild card uh, later on in the season. James Winston came up through one stellar bomb to Traquan Smith to bring it in. I think they've got a connection. Uh, so I am absolutely thinking that he's going to be the wide receiver, too, for the New Orleans Saints if James Winston is the starting quarterback. The, the data set is always flawless when N equals one. So I can't argue yep. with any of that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent chemistry there. <laughs> Torts, this is your last rapid fire one. Make it count. Is Najee Harris a better version of Derrick Henry? No, he's not a better version of Derrick Henry. He is definitely not a better version of Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is peak Derrick Henry, but Najee Harris is my favorite running back to come out of the draft since Saquon Barkley. And I mean that. This kid can do it all. He's a beast. He's a leader. He's constantly working. The, The coaches have to drag him off the field. He doesn't have that prima donna attitude. He just wants to come in. He wants to work, and we're going to see him dominate in the NFL. He is going to be that Le'Veon Bell type running back the Steelers have been missing. Uh, I couldn't be more excited for this kid, and I think he's a great kid too. Um, so, yeah, no, he's not going to be a better version than Derrick Henry, but I, I, I think that he's going to be a, a great version of Najee Harris. I don't want to compare. A much him better receiver than Derrick Henry ever was. So we'll keep right. tabs on that. Right, That's right. True. But running brute strength-wise, he is not going to yeah. beat. No, there's n- no one's going to beat that for a long time. <laughs> Dan, last one. All right. Will Devonta Smith ever go over 1,200 yards in an NFL season? Oh, man. Um, yes, if he doesn't get injured, right? Like the talent's there. The, the, uh, the, he absolutely can. 
He absolutely can. I really do like the kid. It's just the 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 physicality that can he stay up to the standards of the physicality required for the NFL. If he does, he absolutely should be able to get over that threshold. Um, that the only thing I worry about is him being able to to stay together for it. So. I know that maybe is a, a cop out of a answer, but I'm sticking to it. If he stays healthy no, uh, and that's, plays health, 14 health games. Health is always a thing, right? Playing you know? careers derailed by that. Torrance, anything to add to that? I saw you making some faces in the background. No, I love Devontae Smith, man. He, I think he's a four, high 4-2s guy in the 40s. Stop I it. think that Stop I do. It. This is where we man, end the podcast. <laughs> watch that kid run. I think he's a 4-2-9. If he was a 4-2-9 runner, he would have tested the combine. Jamar you, Chase sure tested at the combine. That? Are we sure? The, the pro Jamar day. Chase hit four, what, four, five? What was he, a four, five? Jamar Chase ran a four, three, nine. Look, I think, no, no, he was a four, four. Jamar Chase was a four, four. Ran a sub four, four, man. No, no. Pretty he was sure it was a four, three, four corrected to a four, It was a four, four. I'll look it up oh, right now. No, no, it was a four, four. Yeah, we got now. Four, four, four. Four, four, five. <laughs> four, four, five. This is bad radio, but I'm looking it up. He ran a four, three, nine. Officially a four three four at his pro day. If you correct it for combine numbers, it's a four three nine. Okay, so it's combine four three nine. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I I think that Devonte Smith is definitely faster. Dude, watch the tape. Would have tested. Why wouldn't he have tested if he was that fast? <laughs> hey man, people do crazy things. You know what? Why why don't quarterbacks throw the ball? Who knows? Could have a bad day. Could tear a hamstring. Sometimes prefer to be just the question mark. When, when you're locked it. into going top tier round one, who who cares at that point, right? Like. I'm not saying he's Deion Sanders, but I'm saying he's he's probably just a smidge behind Henry Ruggs. I can't I can't top that. We're gonna we gotta end the show. <laughs> That's there. it. End, so. end the show. End the show. This is, this is a great show. Thanks for having me, guys. Marathon show. We are easily over an hour. I lost count. Yep. But um, towards buddy, you are good at this. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, easily one of my favorite people to chop up dynasty talk with. Uh, mm-hmm. We play and like you. I said. I think we were in every single dynasty league together at this point. We Four played a lot five. of dynasty leagues. We, we each have our own where we're apart. You know, you need some space, right? Like, I know. Exactly. I do have the one not league much, where but... I just keep you away from it. You know? <laughs> and I do one league you're not in, too. Ha-ha. You didn't know that about me, did you? I, I did. Mean, I did. You talk about it constantly, actually. Life. Yeah, I live a secret life. Secret league. All right, man. Dan, anything else to add before we jump out of here? I know it's been a long show. Nah, Torda, this is great. Uh, we've been looking to get you on for a while, man. So this has been really fun. Uh, definitely one of our longer ones yet, and for good reason. A lot of good back and forth here. So appreciate yeah. you being able to come on, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys for having me, man. This is a blast. Can't wait to do it again someday. Same. All right. Well, getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>